while we're standing, we'll have our uh, junior church dismiss. Canaan, do not run. Um, Uh, I'm, I'm saying this now that way I don't forget, but if we could, I'd like to be, I'd like to meet with our hospitality team. There are, there are three families currently, uh, briefly after the service, after we dismiss, it won't take more than five minutes if that's okay with you all there. Okay. Just want to go over a few things and, uh, add another person to it. So, all right. Matthew chapter two, Matthew chapter two. And we're continuing our series. We started last week, hardly got anywhere in it, I feel like. I think I covered one point, uh, had several sub-points, but we're talking about what made the wise men so wise. And uh, that video there was to give you a little uh, provocation of your thought there. I want a meeting room like, like they were meeting at the end, by the way, if anybody wants to fix up the office there. I thought, <laughs> didn't it look cozy and like you could learn a lot and stuff? Anyway. Um, anyway, Matthew chapter 2, beginning in verse number 1, we're going to read down through verse number 12. So uh, brace yourself. There's a lot in here, and we probably will extend this into next week as well. But I want you to consider here uh, these characters in the Christmas story. Now, when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. When Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he demanded of them where Christ should be born. And they said unto him in Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet. And thou, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, art not the least among the princes of Judah, for out of thee shall come a governor that shall rule my people Israel. Then Herod, when he had privily called the wise men, inquired of them diligently what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search diligently for the young child. And when you have found him, bring me word again that I may come and worship him also. Of course, we uh, believe, I believe, that uh, this was a ploy for Herod to uh, take and kill the baby, and so I'm glad they were disobedient uh, to him in the matter not coming back. Verse number nine, when they had heard the king, they departed, and lo, the star which they uh, had saw in the east went before them till it came and stood over uh, where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. And when they were come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned of God in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed into their own country another way. Let's pray. Father, I need you this morning. I need you every Every second of every minute of every hour, God, I publicly confess that here this morning. I need you now, especially as I try to convey and preach your word. God, I pray that you'd fill me with thy spirit, empty me of self and sin. 
And uh, Lord, I pray that you minister your word to the hearts of your people. Uh, would you give us what you have for us? May we be stronger as a result of having met here. Lord, may we be stronger spiritually. Uh, may we be stronger in our faith and, and confidence and trust in you. And we thank you for this occasion of your birth that we celebrate around this time here. And uh, Lord, may we consider it here this morning. And may we glean on how we can be wise as well. Uh, Lord, I commit the service to you in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> the question has been posed, what would have happened if there had been three wise women instead of three wise men? The answer, they would have asked directions immediately upon commencing their trip. There would have been several detours to each department store sale. And, uh, but still, they would have arrived on time for the birth of the child. And they would have helped deliver the baby. They would have cleaned the stable, made a casserole, brought cute little outfits that baby Jesus could have worn on his trip home. I say false to all that, but uh, <laughs> I doubt they'd have been on time. Um, especially with all of that sidetracking. But as it happened in this story, uh, they were wise men. They were not wise women necessarily. And uh, while we think of these men as part of the Christmas story, they weren't actually present at the birth of Jesus on that first silent night, holy night, uh, all is calm, all is bright. I hate to interrupt our manger scenes, and uh, I think I've mentioned this before, but they didn't arrive on the scene, that is, the wise men, until well over a year later, according to what we read uh, in the Bible. And uh, we are going to take another look uh, here uh, this week or, or maybe even next week. And I would like for us to consider this group of people who, while we think of them as being part of the Christmas story, they never uh, made it as witnesses to that first event there. And so this morning, we're going to be looking at this group of men that we know as the wise men. Last week, I, I asked a few, a few questions to provoke our thought here, and I'm going to ask them again as we get started before we get into the first point. But how many wise men were there? How many wise men were there? My, my first thought and assumption was that there were three as we sing the Christmas songs. And, and uh, one of the reasons I think we think there are three um, is because there were three gifts mentioned, uh, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. But the Bible isn't exactly clear on that there were just three wise men. There could have been more for that matter. Maybe they pulled in their resources and such, but we don't actually know. Number two, who were the wise men? Who were the wise men? What, what did their characters, what were their occupations? Uh, they were also called magi. And uh, that is from where we get the word magician. And uh, such, they were devoted to the study of the stars. We read according to the Bible, uh, the Lord used a, used a star to lead them uh, to where uh, Jesus uh, was as he was uh, a young boy. And uh, so we don't know, though, actually um, much more uh, than that. They were devoted to the studies of stars and astrology was involved in their lives but we don't know a whole lot more. Number three, where were they from? Where were they from? Uh, according to the Bible, they saw the star in the east. Uh, some would suggest that they came from Arabia, came from Babylon, came from Persia. 
we don't know that exactly either. And uh, not uh, dogmatic on, on these as being facts, but just some things to consider here. There's not much about these men that... Re there's so much about these men that remain a mystery, even to this day. Uh, but what we do know is that they were called wise men. And the Bible doesn't make mistakes when it gives titles uh, to people or it, it gives descriptions. Um, we take the word wise to mean something good. And so these men were wise. The Bible talks about wise people being soul winners. Uh, the Bible talks about wise people uh, being opposite of foolish people. And uh, there was wisdom uh, within these men that we uh, that the Bible calls uh, describes them as such. And so, even more to the point uh, this morning, I want us to consider how we can be wise like they were as well. Number one, first point is this: I want you to consider, and I'm going to go through these this point relatively fast. As I mentioned, I have several subpoints, but we're going to conclude uh, in a point number two. Number one, the wise men were wise in their, in their decision to search for Jesus. What made them particularly wise is that they sought out the Lord Jesus. And I want to I clarify that and, and really emphasize that point here this morning. Somebody's not truly wise unless they are actively searching out Jesus. And wisdom starts with God. Wisdom starts with searching out and first and foremost, finding God. And the Bible says, if you search for him, he'll be found. It, that's paraphrased there. Um, but he says, if we search out for him, my paraphrase, that uh, he'll be found. And, and uh, uh, he, is a, he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. First and foremost, we need to seek him in salvation. In salvation. We need to be saved. And Jesus is the God baby that came to this earth and uh, lived 33 and a half years, uh, didn't sin one time, was a perfect uh, spotless lamb that came for one reason, that was to die on the cross, to shed his blood, and that blood will wash our sins away if we receive it to our sinful accounts. And so what makes somebody wise, first and foremost, is uh, the receiving of that gift uh, in Jesus Christ. And so uh, they were wise in their search for Jesus, and uh, people, somebody can be wise in their search for Christ when they get saved. But even after we've been saved, even after salvation, we ought to have a, 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 a hunger and a search and a thirst for God even after that. That search doesn't just stop after we receive Christ as Savior, but man, as the deer, as the heart panteth after the water brook, so panteth my heart after thee, Lord. And I want to walk with him, and I want to have a relationship with him, and I want to please him with my life, and I want to crucify my dreams uh, for his that he has for me, and his plans, and his, uh, his ways are not my ways, and, and his thoughts are higher than my thoughts. Higher than your thoughts as well, and God deserves our search of him. They were wise in their decision uh, to search for Jesus. But then also in this passage here I get, they recognize God at work in the world surrounding them. They recognize God at work in their world. I wonder this morning, have you recognized God at work in your world lately? Have you seen the hand of God directing and orchestrating, providing and supplying 
maybe even correcting, trying to get you straightened off on that path that he desires for you to be on so you can continue to follow that star uh, to him, perhaps. They recognize God at work in the world around them. In uh, verse number one, the Bible says, Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the, Her- in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? I like the boldness of that. They came to the king. Hey, king, where is he that is born king of the Jews? How about that for somewhat of a slap in the face there, right? We come to worship the real king, not you. But um, I don't know that they intended it for it to be like that, but uh, I see boldness in the passage there. They say, for we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. These wise men, these men of science and and, uh, understanding, uh, they decided to search and seek out uh, the king of kings, the king of the Jews. I want to say this, not everybody that claims to be smart or not everybody that's got some titles and and uh, diplomas behind their name is actually wise. That's reserved for those that seek Jesus. That's those, that's reserved for those that set their lives in focal point as, uh, as, uh, as Christ and search and seek after Him. The Bible says uh, here in uh, Romans chapter 1, it talks about, uh, it talks about, well, these wise men, they recognize God at work in the world surrounding them. And uh, those of us, we can see God at work in the, in the world surrounding us as well. In Romans chapter 1, uh, the Bible uh, talks about how that uh, we, can, we know that there's a God. Everybody knows that there's God according to the Word of God. Uh, first and foremost, one of the reasons is because of the creation around us. The Bible says in Romans chapter 1, uh, I'm just going to read a portion of it here. Uh, part of 19, verse 19, it says, For God hath showed it unto them. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. The Bible says in Psalm 19, verse 1, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth his handiwork. If you meet somebody that claims to be a wise person, you think that somebody is wise, but they don't know the Lord. They're not seeking after the Lord. The Bible says, the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. That's not a wise person. Maybe wise according to the world's standards, but let's be wise according to the word of God's standards. And so these verses here, they speak of God's power. They, they speak of his creative handiwork that's demonstrated in the heavens, that's demonstrated in creation. And so these wise men, they understood, they saw God's hand uh, surrounding them and uh, orchestrating uh, their steps. They were wise in their decision to search for Jesus. And uh, then also, they recognized that God at uh, work in the world surrounding them. One of the places God likes to work, I believe, is in our occupation places. You thought about that? Have you have you seen God's hand uh, there? Maybe maybe a struggling. The Lord allows us to struggle through things at certain times. But I just want to give a few characters. I'm not going to dwell on this point too much. Um, sometimes we get the idea that the only place that God can speak to us is at church, um, through something spiritual, if you will. But God desires to work on our lives every day, 
throughout the circumstances, throughout the situation. I think of Moses, consider Moses. Moses uh, was tending sheep when God called him in the burning bush. Man, it wasn't, a, it wasn't a positive situation. He had left Egypt, and he's man, he's discouraged probably. Out in the desert wilderness, he had left all the pleasures of the world in Egypt, and now he's a lonesome man out in the middle of nowhere, uh, just uh, working, uh, taking care of sheep, and God called him in the burning bush. I think of Gideon. Gideon was harvesting wheat when God sent an angel uh, to deliver uh, his call. I think of Peter. Where was Peter when God called him and was wanting to work in his life? He was cleaning nets after a night of fishing. And Jesus walked by and said, follow me and I'll make you a fisher of men. Hey, leave those stinky fish right there. We'll go catch some stinky men. <laughs> think of Matthew collecting taxes when he was called. And I think of the wise men here. They were involved in their study of the stars. And, and whatever it is else that they all did when they were obedient to the call of God, to follow a star and see the God-man, Jesus. I want to ask you this morning, has God spoken to you where you work? God trying to get your attention? Is God trying to maybe use you to be a witness to somebody? I gave an illustration last week of uh, uh, being able to lead people to the Lord uh, with a fellow Christian of mine when we worked on a dock, in a miserably cold dock in the wintertime. And, uh, but we took advantage of that opportunity and we were able to see people saved uh, throughout that job. And there's been other jobs where uh, that have been secular of nature that I've been able to see people saved as well. God wants to use you. God wants to use me. These men, uh, they were wise in their decision to search for Jesus, and they recognized God at work in their surroundings, but then also they recognized God at work in the word revealed to them. God works in all the circumstances in our, in our lives, but then God also specifically wants to speak to your heart from His Word, from His Word. God wants to use His Word, the very written Word of God, to speak to you. And one of the ways these wise men found Jesus is because they sought God's Word. In uh, verse number 4, it says, And when they had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, He demanded of them where Christ should be born. And this is what they said, in Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet. How did they know where Jesus was going to be born? Because the Bible says where he's going to be born. The Bible says he's going to be born in Bethlehem of Judea. That's what the prophet said. That's what the word of God says. I don't know how much of the Bible they had at the time. Uh, I know they didn't have a complete Bible. We've got it so much better today. We've got 66 books of the canonized uh, Word of God, inspired Word of God. They didn't have all of this uh, like we do today. They might have had Isaiah. Uh, they might have had uh, the book of Micah. And I've got a specific passage in here that I'm going to read to you as uh, we take note of that. But, um, uh, but uh, they probably had some of the Psalms. Uh, but at the time, uh, these wise men made their search. They looked to the Scriptures uh, for factual evidence. Man, I want our church to be a church that gets their direction from God's Word. Not the Word of Pastor Sam, although I'm going to do my best to preach God's Word unadulterated. I'm not going to water it down. I'm not going to try to tickle your ears when you come to church. Sometimes I've left this uh, church building thinking, man, I feel like I was 
I feel like I didn't have a fluffy good message for the people today with cute illustrations and, and a cute little story and to try to get their attention. I feel like, man, I, that I, I just gave, and my wife said, you need to watch, you need to be careful putting your eyebrows down. You, you can get a scowl sometimes. And um, I don't, I don't want to be that, but I want to be faithful to God's word. Why? Because God's word is true. Let God's word be true. Let God be true in every man a liar. All that to say, they sought God from his word. They looked to the word of God. Have you seen God's, God's word uh, at work in your life lately? Have you seen God's word direct your steps in a certain way, in a certain passage, in a certain capacity? They recognize God, God, uh, God's word at work, uh, revealed to them at work in their lives. And so uh, we've got it so much better. We've got the Old and New Testaments, and God wants to speak to you. Every day, He wants you to have open ears and go to His Word so He can speak His love letter to you. How many like getting love letters from uh, your, your uh, future spouse back in the day when you got them? Put your hand down, Randall. <coughs> we all do, right? How many of you took that letter, and, and especially it came from the lady sometimes, that uh, man, it had perfume on it probably sometimes, and I remember getting some of those, and, or how about this, the lipstick, lipstick, lipstick on the paper? Um, I, I better be quiet here. We've got some uh, underage kids, but, um, but um, man, the Word of God is God's love letter to us. When's the last time you got comfort from God's Word? Comfort in a in a trial, comfort in a hard time, and and I like it uh, when I uh, when people sign with a with a verse. Maybe get a card or a letter, and people sign that with a verse down at the bottom. And sometimes that's a life verse that somebody would claim. And I like to look at those verses and look them up. They don't always write the whole verse, but they have the reference. And I like to look up those verses, and it, it can tell it can tell you know what it, that person's heart, what they're thinking, what they maybe have gone through, and it's a it's a good way to be encouraged. Well. What made these wise men so wise? They were wise because they searched for Jesus. Where are you in your search for Jesus? Have you found him? Have you been saved? If you've been saved, where are you in your search now? Are you still in hot pursuit? Are you still looking and, and desiring to walk with him and, and grow in your walk with God? They were wise in their search for Jesus. Number two, they were wise in the way they searched for Jesus. This is all fresh new material here uh, for this week. They were wise in the way they searched for Jesus. A lot of uh, thoughts here to consider regarding the way they searched for Jesus. Number one, they were determined in their search. They were determined in their search. I want you to consider this. It's possible that these men may have traveled up to 1,000 miles on their trek to find God. 1,000 miles on their trek is a possibility. In Matthew chapter 2, verse 16, we're told that Herod, he decided to kill all boy children uh, that were two years of, of age and, and uh, younger. Uh, so apparently, from the time they, uh, the star first appeared, it took them almost two years uh, to locate where Christ was. The search was a long and diligent one. They were determined to search until they found the answer. 
It wasn't a religious fad. It wasn't a whim of the moment. Uh, they were determined in their search and in their pursuit of Jesus Christ. How determined are you? How determined are you? How determined are you to to want to know God more? The one that created you, the one that gave his life for you. How determined are you to spend time with him on a daily basis? How determined are you to please him with the life that he's given you, with the family that he's given you, with the resources that he's given you? Oh, they were wise in their determination in their search. They were wise. I was uh um I was at the doctor a couple of weeks ago. And uh, but I, I consider this. I, I consider the wise men here. They were they were probably ridiculed. They were probably made fun of. You're going to go look for this baby, maybe a thousand miles away, and a thousand miles away looking for this baby. How are you going to pay for it? Um, you bunch of star chasers, you religious fanatics, and and but it didn't stop them. It didn't deter them from their purpose. From their purpose. They say I was at the doctor a couple weeks ago, and you know how they ask all the questions and, and such. And I'm saying this because I want to serve God, I want to live for Him. And uh, when you do that, sometimes there may be some ridicule, there may be some things that you do that non Christians don't do. And I was at the doctor's office and <clears throat> doing a checkup. We had a little bit of a scare. I, some of you know, I took a blood test and I didn't fast before I took the test. And so my triglycerides were 567. And they're supposed to, normal is 200 and lower. So I, uh, I ended up meeting with the doctor and he was concerned, told me to take a PET, what was my scan? CT scan to check the, the uh, uh, calcium. See if there's. See if my heart was hard, and it was determined it was. But <laughs> uh, any blockages and stuff like that. But one of the things they did, first thing they did, he did was um, sat down. I was sitting over here. He said, "Let me see your ankle." All right, that's weird. Part of the examination. And uh, then he starts asking the questions. Do you do you smoke? No. Do you drink? Uh, no. Or actually, he said, "How often do you drink?" I said, "I don't drink." He said, uh, uh, you take any drugs and stuff like that? And, and I said, nope. So, you have any fun at all? He said it pretty much like that. I know he was kind of tongue-in-cheek, but, but, um, but I'm like, no. And I was thinking about that. But what? <laughs> what? What? Oh. Uh, <laughs> I'm not good at telling stories sometimes. Yeah, I'm good at digging holes. I really am. Getting, I'm good at uh, inserting foot into the mouth very often. And uh, I have good intentions, though. Um, the point is, considering the doctor there, and he had a cool, he had a cool office with, his office was decorated all Star Wars stuff. Is you would have liked it, Brother Bill. Many of you guys would have liked it. I liked it. I got to talking about that. But I was thinking to myself, man, I, I wouldn't trade my life as a Christian. I'm sure he makes probably triple times the amount of money that I make. Uh, but I wouldn't trade my experience as a Christian and what I've gotten to experience. This guy, I don't know that he drinks and does drugs and stuff like that. 
he, one thing he did say was, do as I say, not as I do, okay? You got to be weary. You got to be weary of doctors that say that, right? Um, but anyway, I was just thinking as I left that office there and, um, and uh, ended up, everything turned out okay. I retook that uh, test uh, by fasting and all my levels are normal, actually pretty good. And so I'm thankful for that. Some of you prayed for that. But just thinking about that and my experience as a Christian in my life compared uh, to this guy, and I'm not trying to put him down, but man, I, I wouldn't trade anything for what he's got. Hope he saved, gave him an invitation and such with the gospel there. Didn't have time to uh, witness to him, but, <clears throat> but I want to seek God. I want to search after God. I think of a hunger for God, you know, as a, as a, when you get hungry for the physical things, I, what do you do? I'll go into my kitchen and look through the pantry. I'm hungry. Open the pantry, scan through that there, nothing in there. Go and open the refrigerator, look in there, look in the drawers and stuff, look in the freezer. One thing I've been doing lately is when the bananas start to get a little brownish, I'll take a stick and put the popsicle stick in there, and then I'll wrap them up in wax paper and stick them in the freezer and then eat them like a popsicle. They're super good, so I don't waste the bananas. Nobody wants to eat. I don't want to eat old uh, banana with a greasy black peel. Um, but I look through the refrigerator, look in the cabinet, look up in my wife's cabinet, her secret cabinet, where the dark chocolate and the... Uh, the other day I noticed we had a box of Twinkies, greasy Twinkies, right? And had a... We had a box of the, the, the chocolate cupcakes, the hostess ones. They weren't even the generics. They were the true hostess uh, stuff. And I know you, some of you guys are like, those are disgusting and those are so unhealthy. And I know they're unhealthy. After you eat one of those uh, chocolate cupcakes, your fingers are all greasy. And you can peel off that layer of uh, icing on there, but so good. <laughs> Wash it down with whole milk. Man, you, can't, you don't get much better than that. But... But I, when you have a hunger, what do you do? You go and you, you search out for, uh, for that uh, thing that can satisfy your, your fleshly hunger. What do we do when we have spiritual hunger? Do we have a spiritual hunger? You here this morning, do you have a, a spiritual hunger to, to search out for God, uh, to seek Him uh, with your life, to, to get into His Word and, and, and get that spiritual uh, hunger uh, quenched? Uh, that uh, spiritual hunger uh, satisfied, that spiritual thirst quenched uh, from His Word, perhaps, or, or from, a, from a message. God, i got to hear from You. God, I, I need You to speak to me. Speak to me from Your Word this morning. Would You reveal what You want me to know uh, from Your Word? Are we hungering and thirsting after God? The Bible says, as a matter of fact, about this hunger in Matthew chapter 5, verse 6, Blessed are those which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. God wants to fill you. God wants to quench that. God wants to give you what only He can give you. Man, it's better than any fleshly appetite. It's better than any, I like smoked meat and, and uh, I, like, I like good food. Myself, yesterday we got to celebrate my wife's birthday. I like celebrating other people's birthdays. You get to join in on their good meals, right? And we went to Roadhouse, and, and uh, the boys all got to go too. They were blessed to be able to go. But, but man, God wants to quench our thirst and our hunger 
uh, for him. He wants to fill that. He wants to satisfy that. They were, they were determined in their search. They were discerning in their search. These men, they were wise in seeking counsel. They were wise in, uh, in their discernment uh, of what to accept and what to reject. When given the audience with Herod, uh, they heard from his wise men. Uh, the, king, the king's men were wise in head, but they weren't necessarily wise in their hearts, according to scriptures. They didn't know uh, the word of God necessarily, but the real wise men, they knew the word of God. In verse number five, it says, and they said unto him in Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, and thou Bethlehem in the land of Judah art not the least among the princes of Judah, for out of thee shall come a governor that shall rule my people. They probably knew Micah chapter five, verse two, but thou, Bethlehem, Ephrata, uh, though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of thee shall he come forth unto me, that is to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth have been from old, from everlasting. Who is the everlasting father? Who is the prince of peace? That is Jesus. These wise men who were truly wise, they were willing to accept the word of God as the direction for their journey. Brings me right back to the thought of you seek God's word in your journey of life. You seek God's word for the direction. I don't want anybody, pastor, good pastor, well, I don't know. Pastor doesn't want anybody to leave the church, okay? Never wants anybody to leave a church. But if um, through circumstances God may have you lead, there are some principles that you need to consider on if that's really God, or is that you making the decision? We need to search God's Word. Where you are going, is there a Bible-preaching church there for you to get into God's Word? Because a church is the pillar and ground of truth, and a church is the centerpiece of a Christian's life, and so I hardly doubt that God would lead somebody outside of a, a place like that, I think that's more probably a fleshly consideration. That's just one thought that I want you to consider that uh, I believe there. Not, not expect anybody to leave here, uh, but just uh, something to consider regarding discernment from God's word. Uh, they were they were discerning in their search. Uh, they were determined in their search. And then uh, let's see here, number three, they were dependent in their search. They were dependent in their search. Look at verse number nine. When they had heard the king, they departed, and lo, the star which they saw in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. They trusted the star of God, and God directed these men in their search, and he'll direct you too if you ask him, if you seek for him, if you seek his wisdom, if you search out his word, if you search for biblical understanding. But what a surprising place they were led to. It's one thing to start the search. It's something else to accept where the search leads. Anybody ever have God tell you to do something? Like, man, I don't, I don't know. I'm talking specifically from His Word. 
I'm talking, you know, you know, you've followed biblical principles, biblical counsel, man, God just put something in your heart, but it didn't make sense. Well, it didn't make sense for these wise men to go see King Herod. There's a whole lot in this journey that didn't make sense, but they were wise and obedient to God's word. And as they obeyed, and God made it all worthwhile. They may not have understood, but God brought it all together. And it may not have all been fully together when they came and saw baby Jesus, King of Kings. And we'll get there in a minute. But every day as Christians, the devil wants to sidetrack us in our searches. And there are three primary ways that he goes about doing that. God has put something on your heart. God is speaking to you. God is uh, leading you. God is directing you in obedience and, and wants you to follow him. The devil is going to do all he can to derail you and sidetrack you from being obedient to that. And there's three ways that he does that. Number one, they wouldn't be sidetracked by the lust of the flesh. They wouldn't be sidetracked by the lust of the flesh. There was self-pleasure and there was ease in the courts of Herod. Hardship and danger was on the road to Bethlehem. Possibly a thousand miles on the road to, to seek out the Savior. With the unknowing what their trip was going to be hold, there's probably sicknesses. And in their trip home, uh, hiding from the spies uh, of the king, in Matthew chapter 2, verse 12, it says, And being warned of God that in a dream they shouldn't return to Herod, they departed unto their own country another way. The journey's not always going to be a soft one. The journey of pursuing God is not always going to be an easy one. The, the journey in pursuing God isn't always going to be a safe one. But it's the right one. And obedience to His clear command in His Word is the only way to go. Are you the kind of person who's always asking, what do I get out of this? How's it going to benefit me? I'm, I'm glad the wise men didn't do that. I'm glad they were willing to, to brave the unknown and to, and to seek after the star. God, you said, follow the star. And he's going to be born in Bethlehem. All right, I don't know if I got enough food. I don't know if my camel's going to take me that, uh, far enough here. I'm going to know if I'm going to have to exchange my camel for another one. I don't know if I got enough winter clothes or, or what have you, uh, but uh, I'm going to obey you. We're going to obey you, and I'm going to be sure I'm going to bring this gift here uh, to worship him. When we find him, we're just going to trust you. God's leading may at times be difficult for us to accept. Every, every church service, there are uh, Christians who are absent because of the lust of the flesh. A fleshly attraction uh, it, it sounds better than a spiritual church service. But let me remind us that wise men don't easily give in to the flesh. Wise men don't easily give in to the flesh. Number two, uh, they would not be sidetracked by the lust of the eyes. The devil wants to sidetrack with the lust of the flesh, with the lust of the eyes. But they were wise enough to know the difference between reality and appearances. Think about this. Jesus didn't look like your typical king. Can you imagine being the wise men 
traveling all the way, maybe a thousand miles, finally getting to the location where you're supposed to be. Jesus, the king lives in this house? Carpenter's house? Uh, they probably knew some of this stuff already, but, but uh, what if it was you? Get all the way there, go into that door there. This little kid is the king? Now, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't exactly probably what they were expecting in their mind, uh, but uh, they got there and they weren't sidetracked by the lust of the eyes. What did uh, Jesus look like? He didn't look like a, uh, your typical king. He looked like a poor Jewish boy uh, from a poor Jewish family. Uh, but these wise men, they saw beyond that and they saw uh, the, uh, beyond the physical appearances uh, to realize the power and presence of God. You understand one of the reasons why Jews didn't receive the Messiah is probably this reason right here, this being one of the reasons. Oh, they wanted a king. They wanted a ruling, reigning king that came, and, and uh, they, didn't, they didn't want this. They're still looking for that ruling, reigning king. Oh, but he's come. Maybe not like they expected. Maybe not like I would have expected. Maybe not like the wise men would have expected. Uh, but he's come. And he's ruling and reigning right now at the right hand of God, the Father. You may not fully understand God's answer when you're searching for him and it comes to you. But it's not a matter of figuring it all out. I wonder if when they got there, they were like, man, this, this is the king? Scrawny king, if you ask me. Not even 40 pounds, two years old. How, old is it? how, how heavy is a two-year-old? Probably not 40 pounds, I don't think. Maybe. I don't think he's a big kid either. He's not even 40 pounds wet and wearing boots. <laughs> I don't think they said that, but, uh, <laughs> but uh, they were tuned into God. They were no reserve, no regrets, no retreat, searching after God. They had a hunger uh, to search out God, and they weren't deterred by the lust of the eyes. They weren't deterred by the lust of the flesh, and they wouldn't be deterred by the pride of life. They were grown men, these men, searching out after a baby, after a toddler. They were accounted wise, and they were wealthy enough to invest in the two years of their life search to, to come after the Messiah and, uh, and important enough to warrant an audience uh, with a king. Uh, but they were humble enough to bow the knee to worship and recognize uh, the greater glory of this little toddler standing before them. They were before God and their self-glory melted away. We get sidetracked by the pride of life. Man, I'm, I'm too... Uh, I'm too grown up to do that. I'm too, too proud to take a knee. I'm too, man, I know it all. I'm a religious person. I know the Bible. I read the Bible. How many times I've talked to people, yeah, I read the Bible through. How many times? Once. All right. I believe you. That means you know everything about God because you read the Bible through one time? Did you speed read? Uh, did you get? Did you absorb much of it? No, let's not be proud when it comes to the things of God. In discipleship, I think of uh, some people can be very proud. No, I. Uh, what do I need to do to be saved? How do I get to heaven? I I know I've been saved. 
I asked Jesus to come into my heart and save me. All right, well, there's more to living the Christian life than just being saved. The next step after somebody trusts Christ as Savior, you're supposed to get baptized to identify with Jesus. To tell people, I'm not ashamed to identify with Christ. I'm willing to get baptized. Then we need to learn the Word of God. I believe we should join a local church. Get involved. God wants to use your spiritual gifts and talents to edify His church, to grow you and to use you. Then we ought to tell people about Jesus ourselves. We ought to become versed according to the Bible and on how to communicate the gospel to other people and tell them, if we've been saved, you can get saved as well. Let's share the gospel with you. And there's a whole lot involved in it. And being a Christian involves humility. It involves humility. It'd be nice if we had folks, man, they, Pastor, tell me, uh, t- tell me, how can I, how, how do you think that I could grow in my walk with the Lord? Is there, is there something you see perhaps that, man, I'm, I ask people, I've asked pastors, uh, what do I need to do to, 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 to maybe get fired up for God? How can I grow? What, what can I do to, to, to learn the Bible more thoroughly and have a, closer uh, walk with God. Well, these wise men, they weren't sidetracked by the pride of life. The Bible says in James chapter 4, verse 6, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. When asked this morning, are you a person that exhibits wisdom? Have you shown wisdom in an, in an initial uh, search for Jesus? Have you been saved? Have you found him? Man, greatest decision you could ever make. Search out, find Jesus, receive him as your savior. That's the single most important decision anybody can make. Because it determines eternal life. Whether it's in hell, that's what the Bible says. Or it's heaven. And God doesn't want anybody in hell. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. The Bible says God is love. But he won't force himself on you. He gives you the free will and free choice. That's what love is. You can't force love on someone. Gives you that free will and free choice. And His Spirit is wooing us. His Spirit saying, would you come to me? Would you come to Jesus? Would you come? Would you you acknowledge your sin condition? Would you receive Jesus as your Savior? Would you receive the blood of Christ to your account? I love you so much. I want to save you. Would you come to me? Single most important decision we can ever make. Have you found Him? Have you been saved? But then also... If you have, are you determining your search every day to fellowship and to spend time with Him? Are you determined in your pursuit of God? A.W. Tozer wrote a book, uh, The Pursuit of God. Great, great book there. I need to refresh myself on it, but great book on pursuing God. The Pursuit of God. Are you determined... Or do you get distracted by the 
lust of the flesh. You get distracted by the lust of the eyes. You get distracted by the pride of life. That's what the devil wants to do. May we be solely focused. May we be wise men, wise women in our search. And may we strongly and determinedly, persistently follow our Christ today and always. Let's bow. Father, I thank you for the Word of God. I thank you for the examples in Scripture that you give for us. I thank you for the privilege it is to be one of yours. Thank you for what you did by dying on the cross and shedding your blood for me. Or I like to think that if I was the only one in the world, I, I believe you love me so much that you would have died specifically for me. Is that, but as it is, I'm not. As it is, you died for all of mankind. You shed your blood. Lord, I pray that people wouldn't think there's another way to heaven. Lord, I pray that we'd look to you, pray that they would look to you and you alone and understand that you are the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by you. Lord, I pray those that have, have received you as Savior, I pray that we'd be determined in our search of walking with you on a daily basis. Lord, help us. Help us to combat the devil, the wiles of the devil, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and in our pride. Would you help us to humble ourselves as we seek you? With heads bowed and eyes closed, I want to ask a few questions by way of invitation. If you're here this morning and you'd say, Pastor Sam, now as a testimony to the Lord, you'd say, Pastor Sam, I know that I've received Christ as my personal Savior. I know there was a time when I had been born into the family of God. I have been saved. If you can honestly say that, would you lift your hand up to the Lord as a testimony to Him? As a testimony to Him. I praise the Lord. Many hands are up. Many hands are up. Now that's between you and the Lord. I want you saved if you're not saved. But God wants you saved even more than I do. If you're here this morning and you're not certain about your eternal destination, I don't get some that don't participate in the uh, in invitation time. It's very important. Very important. This is a spiritual exercise. With heads bowed and eyes closed and nobody looking around, how many here would say, Pastor Sam, I'm not certain that I'm on my way to heaven. I don't have confirmation from God's Word. I don't know that I've ever seen from the Bible how I can be saved. If somebody could show me, man, I, I would love that. I would love to be shown from God's Word how to be saved. Is there somebody here this morning who'd say, that's me? Pastor Sam, would you pray for me? Lift your hand up if that's you. You're not certain of heaven. You're not certain that if you died, you'd go to heaven. Slip your hand up right now. Slip your hand up right now. Man, don't delay. Don't. There's no guarantee of tomorrow. If you're uncertain... Would you seek me out? Would you see Pastor Dave out? Would you see Pastor Bob out? Seek out somebody. We want to show you from God's Word. God wants you saved. How many this morning say, Pastor Sam, God has spoken to me about being a wise person. 
not being deterred by the by the lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and my pride. God has spoken in my heart about searching diligently and being determined in my walk with God to in my pursuit of Him. If God spoke to your heart in some capacity.